Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. HuntStand is the most popular and functional mobile hunting app on the market. With a variety of base maps to choose from, satellite imagery that is updated every month, the ability to check the weather, no property information, and even catalog your trail cam picks, HuntStand even gives you the ability to import pins and location markers from other mobile apps. Visit HuntStand.com or download wherever you download your apps. Enter discount code SN20 at checkout for 20% off. Welcome to the How to Hunt Deer podcast, which is brought to you by Tacticam. This podcast aims to educate those who are interested in becoming deer hunters, brushing up on essential skills, or maybe just adding a few new tactics to the toolkit. Here we cover a variety of topics that will help you be more confident and successful in the field while you're hunting deer. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. Uh, we've got a great episode. Here we are in the first, you know, couple weeks of the new year, and it's that time of year when folks start to kind of think back over their last year and think ahead and, you know, what they want to be different this year. Along those lines, I have my buddy Pierce Nellis on, and our topic of conversation this week is deer hunting do's and don'ts. And basically, what we did is take our our previous fall and even into the winter hunting and said, okay, what are some things that I want to make sure to do more of this year or not do this year. I think you're going to learn a lot, a bunch of little tidbits. They're going to come at you kind of fast, but all in all, these are lessons that we learned through experience this past year. I hope you guys can really benefit from them. Now for a quick thank you to our partners. First of all, this podcast is brought to you by Tacticam. They are our title sponsor. They've been with us since the beginning. Really have enjoyed working with those guys. They're the makers of the best point of view cameras on the market for outdoorsmen. Hands down, their 6.0 and Solo Extreme cameras will let you capture your memories in the field and so that you can share them with family and friends. The new 6.0 camera features 4K, 60 frame per second footage. My favorite part, it's got a little touchscreen on it that allows for pretty easy operation. Not only that, but you can actually go and review the footage right there on the stand. You don't have to go home and upload it or anything like that. I also love their mounts and adapters. One of my favorite parts about using Tacticams is I'm no longer fighting mounts and adapters that aren't made specifically for my weapons are made specifically for a hunting scenario. Tacticam, though, they make all of their stuff, like I said, with the sportsman in mind. And that means with the kinds of places in mind and the kind of filming in mind that we need to do to capture those memories while we're out in the field. So you can go learn more about their 6.0, about their Solo Extreme camera, which is kind of their budget option, and about their full line of mounts and adapters at Tacticam.com. This episode is also brought to you by Huntworth. They're making comfortable durable camo without the sticker shock guys we are in the doldrums i guess you could say of the late season maybe hey maybe you love late season maybe january 15th hunting is just like your thing and i know when i lived in alabama it was kind of my thing too but now that we're here in the late season you might be looking for some gear to keep you a little bit warmer well you need to head over to huntworthgear.com and check out their heat boost line of products i wore the saskatoon pants 
jacket and vest this year. It kept me extremely warm down into the upper teens. I do believe, though, that if I had layered a bit more underneath them, I could have gotten into even cooler temps and stayed comfortable. You might want something a little warmer, though, maybe something like the Matterhorn or something like that. But hey, head to their website, huntworthgear.com. Check out their heat boost line. It'll keep you warm. You won't be disappointed. And while you're at it, check out their packs. I know guys don't like to carry their clothes in. I'm one of those. I like to have all of my clothing on my backpack or strapped to the outside or something so that I'm not getting soaking wet with sweat on the way to the stand. Well, their Hickory backpack has got plenty of room for you, so go check that out as well. Again, huntworthgear.com. Thanks to those partners. Now let's get into the show, talking deer hunting do's and don'ts, lessons that we learned from this year with my buddy Pierce Nellis. All right, back again on the How to Hunt Deer podcast with me is Mr. Pierce Nellis from Wisconsin. Pierce, what's going on, buddy? Not a whole lot, man. Just kicking off the new year, tying some bugs, and reflecting on a, a season well hunted. Yeah, dude, you got a you got yourself a cup of tea there. You look like a straight up old man, just like oh, I got a kick I got back a and enjoy the and everything, man. We're Do you really? Date right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, man, good to catch up with you. Good to talk deer hunting again. I wish we could have recorded our forty five minute conversation prior to this, where. We talked about a lot of interesting topics, mm-hmm. uh, questionable ways that animals die. We'll just leave it at that. But anyway, yeah. so today Early though, years of hunting. what's that? Early years of hunting. Yeah. Innocent the, mistakes. The stupid things you do when you're 18 years old in the deer woods. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> today though, it is uh, January 5th when we're recording this. Uh, which means it's a new year. It's that time of year when everybody kind of sits back and reflects and thinks and looks back on their season and you know for for guys like us who are kind of uh multi-sport outdoorsmen i guess you could call us right like we we, we're out there doing something it may not always be uh deer hunting specifically we kind of look back on the whole year and say okay what have we learned what can we take away how can we do better next year and for me honestly i think that's one of my favorite parts like that constant ability to improve and get better is one of the things that makes me love outdoor pursuits you know like I don't do well when I can like truly and fully master something where there's like no creativity left and I've just totally you know hit the peak and there's no way of doing it any better Um, and so I think that's one of the draws for me for for lots of different things whether it be fishing or turkey hunting or especially when it comes to deer hunting I personally think I had uh, probably the best deer season that I've ever had I didn't kill the most deer uh, cause I had, I had some slaying years when I was a young kid in Alabama, uh, with a two doe a day limit. So you can, you can imagine, uh, what happened back then. But, um, one of my best deer hunting seasons ever, when it comes to deer encounters, when it comes to my decision-making process, when it comes to the quality of the deer that I ended up taking, uh, and when it comes to just being around deer, I mean, I had several interactions and I think a total of like 12 days hunted or something like that in Wisconsin and a couple more in, in Alabama. Um, I think I had a total of like five mature buck encounters in, you know, so I'm batting almost 500 when it comes to mature yeah. buck encounters, which man, I don't know about you, but that's, that's fantastic for me. Yeah, that's huge. That is absolutely, as you were saying that I was just kind of thinking to, uh, you know, like in August, I mean, he does them year round, but like August when all of a sudden, like you start getting the YouTube notifications for uh, Jeff Sturgis's 
whitetail habitat solutions and his season prep and all that stuff. Oh, and yeah. uh, just starts blowing up your, your YouTube feed. And uh, I, I, it made me think of one of the points that he always makes about like rating your sits. And, you know, I think we can apply that to rating your season as a whole too. And, you know, rating it in terms of like, okay, how many deer did you spook? Um, you know, were you able to get into your stand quickly, quietly and effectively? Um, you know, you, like you mentioned, your mature buck encounters, I think all that stuff. Um, yeah, I, I'm right there with you. This was, I think my best season as well. Um, and you know, it, it all is reflected in that kind of stuff too. So yeah. I'm right there with you. Man, it, it's good to sit here at this point, having this conversation. Cause we sat down before the season, we talked about goals. Mm-hmm. We talked about things we were going to be working on. We talked about new gear. We talked about all kinds of stuff. Now here we are wrapping it up. It just feels right. Right. Like it's like, we're, we're tying the bow on the whole thing. Uh, having both Not to mention our, uh, our conversation on, on mindset when you and I were both having a hell of a time. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> <early yes. November. laughs> I forgot just how bad that was. So we recorded an episode for this podcast about how to keep the right mindset during the rut, which, uh, honestly was like a therapy session for me like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if, if I haven't even looked at, at the download numbers for that one. So I don't know how many people found that useful, but dude, I know I needed that. Like I needed that pep talk. Yeah. You went out the next day and shot a good buck. Right. Mm-hmm. And then we talked again, we recorded a Wisconsin sportsman episode and I killed one the day after that. So, yeah. uh, man, I'm thinking <laughs> me and you recording together is just like a good luck charm. We just need to, you know, whenever things aren't going well, we just need to fire up the podcast equipment and get Absolutely. one cranked out. Absolutely. So. Have a little vent session and hit the set button as we talked about. <laughs> Wine a little bit. <laughs> mm-hmm. So had I exactly. missed had I missed my buck when we talked? You had missed your buck that night. I missed my buck that night. Okay. Yeah. Yep. The That's night right. that you and I recorded. That's right. And then that morning after I missed the buck that I ended up shooting. Yeah. At like eleven. 15 in the morning Jeez. and then ended up getting that buck after two other encounters with him later that Gosh. day. And then, yeah, the next week you and I recorded, um, Wisconsin sportsman. And then, yeah, you filled your tag. That's right. That's right. Good stuff, man. So, uh, I wanted to do this a little bit different. You know, last year I had uh, Clint Campbell on from truth from the stand podcast. It's a good podcast, by the way. I don't know if you, if you, have caught that one before, but he's one of those guys that really likes to sit down and analyze his season. And we talked about things that you can learn and like how to learn from your mistakes this year. I thought we would do, and actually this is your idea. So I didn't, I didn't think we would do, you sent me some notes and you were like, Hey, here's what I'm thinking. And it was kind of like do's and don'ts from the 2022 deer season, right? Like just things mm-hmm. that you picked up along the way, do these things and don't do these other things. Um, that we've learned just from experience, whether it be mistakes that we made or the success that we were able to find, or maybe even stuff that we watched other people do. Um, but man, just to get kicked off here, like, why don't you lead us with either your do's or your don'ts from your 2022 deer season and kind of fill me in on how, maybe how did you come up with, with that setup for it in the first place of like do's and don'ts? Sure. Um, <clears throat> You know, I, I guess I'll start with my my first don't um, for the season. I, as I was writing this, it was, I think, like 7 a.m. Uh, last Wednesday, last Thursday, something like that. But I, I went up to my folks' place, um, 
<clears throat> and it was hunting there and I, I hunted the evening prior. And then the next morning I was sitting there kicking myself for uh, doing my first don't, which has gotten me in some trouble before, um, which is do not try to quote, put the moves on, on a deer when hunting a small parcel, put the um, moves on I, I, I put the moves on them. You know, if you <laughs> think you can, you know, slip through something or slip over a ridge or slip around behind them and cut them off. It's, you know, trying to like, if you're turkey hunting, you're trying to put the moves on a bird once he starts to wander off or goes quiet or whatever, and trying to get set up somewhere else. Like just, unless you've absolutely got the cover to make a play on a deer, the odds are you don't yeah. one way or another, you're probably going to have to cross a field or you're going to have to get into some timber that you don't want to, or you're going to make some noise and on top of it, you're going to be in a hurry. Um, so, you know, your, your odds of, of making a mistake are that much higher. Um, and you know, you, you just increase in your odds of getting busted rather than just waiting it out. And, you know, cause ideally you're in, you're in a tree that you know, has got a, a proven track record. You're in that tree for a reason. And just because the deer happened to be elsewhere, um, and you see them go elsewhere. Now, granted, I, I only tried to do that because it was Wisconsin's, uh, you know, their antlerless only holiday hunt. And, uh, I, I could reach a little further. Um, but yeah, on, on you know, this recent late season hunt, uh, I made the mistake of, you know, watching the, uh, I don't know if you caught it or not, but there was a pretty badass season finale to the, uh, meat eater season 11, uh, where they put the moves on this big bull moose up in the, uh, back country of Alaska and long story short, you know, Alaskan moose and Wisconsin whitetail don't translate as well as you would think they would. Um, <laughs> I, I was unsuccessful in my attempt to uh, put the moves on some does and get a crack at them. Um, granted, you know, we've talked prior on the podcast and you know, we have a very, very, very tiny, little five acre parcel it is the right parcel however you can't do a whole lot and i've proven that to myself time and time again but i've even found myself on you know hunting 140 acre parcels and you know trying to trying to relocate trying to get ahead of something and just not being able to to do it properly as if i would have just gone there and set up and been more patient Hey guys, just want to take a quick minute to let you know that the How to Hunt Deer podcast is brought to you by Tacticam, makers of the best point of view cameras on the market for hunters and anglers. They're on the cutting edge, making user-friendly cameras to help the everyday outdoorsman share your hunt with friends and loved ones. Their new 6.0 camera has a ton of upgraded features this year, but the one I'm most excited about is the new LCD touchscreen. In my mind, that's a total game changer. And one area Tacticam really shines is with their mounts and adapters that are made with the sportsman in mind. If you've tried to film your hunting and fishing excursions in the past, you know how frustrating it can be to get an action camera aimed just right or get it attached to your weapon or in a good spot for a second angle. Well, Tacticam makes all of that a breeze with their line of accessories. This fall, I'll be using their stabilizer mount on my bow with a 6.0 camera and their bendy clamp paired with the 5.0 wide camera for a second angle and to make sure I don't miss any of the action. To learn more and check out their full line of products, head over to their website, Tacticam.com. Share your hunt with Tacticam. And I, I like that you um, that you did specify small parcels. I mean, I would I would even consider 140 acres a small parcel. I think that still qualifies. Mm-hmm. Like to me, yeah, yeah. you know, putting the move like the time to be able to put um, put the moves on a deer 
you know, like you said, if you do have the right cover, the right situation, and you know, like, man, there's a really good chance that I can make this happen. Or mm-hmm. if you have a lot of opportunity to royally screw it up and then just move on to the next one. Right. Like that's right. a, that's a good opportunity too. Like <clears throat> if you mm-hmm. know that you're on 5,000 acres of public and this isn't the only buck out here, or these aren't the only group of does out here, then like, yeah, man, if you want to go for it, go for it. At least you're going to learn something. But absolutely. But yeah. Not on a small parcel because not only do you uh, blow that opportunity, but you've educated the deer at that point. Mm-hmm. And exactly. It, it's, it's going to be an uphill battle from, from there on out. Uh, yeah. man, I, I'm going to throw out mine. Uh, I've got a whole list here as well. Um, so do not throw up your hands and bolt just because you face a little bit of hunting pressure. So uh, my season started off in Wisconsin and I was hunting in the end of September, the beginning of October. Right. And I went out mm-hmm. to my favorite piece of public um, where I ended up getting my buck this year. And I get to the parking lot. There's a truck already in the parking lot and there's another guy getting out, putting camo on, or I'm there. He pulls in and starts putting camo on. So I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. there's, there's pressure here. And I basically at that point turned it from a deer hunt to a trail camera mission. Now I I had the trail camera mission all along. I needed to get some cameras out because I knew I'd be returning to Georgia. I would need to have some Intel, but I didn't have to flip the switch as hard as I did. I just kind of threw my, my hands up in the air and thought, eh, it's a lost cause. There's already two other guys in here. There's not that many good spots to hunt. I mean, on this little place where I, where I was, I think on from that parking lot, there's probably two, maybe three good, like really good spots to hunt. The rest of them are all just kind of like, maybe you see something, and I don't like to settle for those. Um, and so I knew it was probably covered that night. So I get back in there. I'm distracted. Trail camera's number one on my mind, and I jump a good buck, like a really, really good buck. Um Anyway, go ahead and hang my trail camera. I'm kind of kicking myself, but I, I jumped this buck up out of the marsh. He wasn't down in the marsh where I expected him to be bedded, which means he had mm-hmm. not been pushed back into the marsh yet. He was bedded maybe uh, 65 to 75 yards as the crow flies from the public ag field. So sure. he, he was not far from, you know, the field at all. Uh, mm-hmm. I should, In fact, I should have just hunted the field edge that night. I would have done a lot better. Um, but anyway... <laughs> I go further down the edge of the marsh and I'm like, okay, I'm going to push a little bit further in. Cause I, I know here of some other buck bedding and I'm going to go back in there too. And so I walk in there a little bit and I get into the marsh and I finally get to where I want to climb a tree and I'm not far into it. I'm maybe 50 acres into the marsh, but I realize like, this is kind of the last clump of trees. If I go any further then I'm really out in there, I'm not going to be able to climb anywhere. So as I'm standing there looking to um, climb one of the trees, a, another buck, back over my left shoulder stands up. He had watched me walk by and it wasn't until I stopped to climb the tree that he decided it was time to bolt. So, um, mm-hmm. and anyway, so again, lesson learned, don't throw up your hands and just give up kind of like I did, um, because of hunting pressure. And then when it came to the rut, that place was more pressured than I have ever seen it. Uh, but the deer were still doing deer things. And I think that's, you know, obviously it was during the rut, but at the same time, um, you know, I've seen the heavy pressure shut the rut down or definitely shut, not shut the rut down, uh, shut down daylight activity in the areas that people would typically hunt. Right. 
Sure. And uh, that did not seem to happen. I mean, I saw a lot of deer. I don't think I went many sits at all without seeing deer. And so, uh, yeah, don't throw up your hands and give up just because you got a little bit of hunting pressure. Absolutely, man. I think I remember uh, receiving both texts after you jumped both of those bucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because we were we were going to hunt together. Like, was the two days later? Or two days like later, that? the next day, yeah. Yeah, so I was very disappointed. I would have loved to have filled a September buck tag. But right. anyway, it worked out. Absolutely, man. All right. I think I'm going to... I'm going to jump over to one of my do's um, and it, it's kind of a, a, a little bit of a it segue off of, off of your point there. And that is do uh, let the deer show you where they want to be shot. Uh, I think, I think too often guys spend all summer cutting shooting lanes or scouting on their public, you know, their private guys uh, putting in food plots, doing property maintenance only to have deer avoid them and stick to the thick stuff. Um, yeah. Just like, if you're on that public parcel, you know, I, I remember we were texting back and forth about how, you know, you, we wanted to, you had wanted to set up on uh, like pretty much right against this Creek and the, the wind just wasn't going to do it for you. And you'd seen all this other sign on the other side, or I think it was just South of um, where you had initially wanted to set up yep. and you were sending me all these pins and all that stuff. And you were just like, I, I don't know, like it, it looks like the deer should be here, but I, I'm seeing the most sign over on this next trail. That's just a little bit, you know, I think it was only what, 10 or 20 yards from, from yeah. where you were. It was just yeah. along a different trail. wasn't it, was, it? Yeah. It was just a different trail. It was not far. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I think, uh, you know, basically when they do do that, if you're a private guy, um, you know, the first thing you should do is probably call uh, our buddy, Sam Billhorn, or if you're down in your neck of the woods, give you, give you a call to have some serious property consultation done and straighten everything out for you. Or if you're uh, not, not able to do that, uh, move to where you can set up on, you know, on the deer where they're entering or exiting that thick stuff. And, you know, especially obviously that's easier to do if you're a saddle hunter, um, at least in a, in a hurry, but you know, go where the deer are showing you they want to be shot. Yeah, man. I, you know, just growing up, and I, I won't, I'll try to shorten this up here. Growing up, I remember, like, the the thought that went into picking a good spot for me. I'd walk into mm -hmm. a spot, I'd be like, hey, this looks pretty. Like, this looks like a place a deer would walk through, <laughs> and that's where I put a stand. There was never, yeah. like, a consideration of, like, oh, there's scrapes here, or there are rubs here, or there's a good trail here, or the terrain does this, so the deer are going to do this. It was, mm -hmm. this looks like a good spot, so I'm going to hunt it. Sure. You know, kind of yeah. thing, rather than saying, okay, where do the, where are the deer showing me that they want to catch an arrow or a bullet or, or whatever, you know, whatever it may right. be, because they're, they're showing you something. Like, they're giving you, they're giving you clues yeah. to something. So, that's mm -hmm. good. So, I'm going to, I'm going to throw out a do then. Um my number one, I think, takeaway for do uh, from this year is do, if you can at all, take a bulk of days and set them aside for hunting all at one time. And, and okay. I know this may not be the case for every year. Like, I, I get it. 
not every year can you take a week or two of vacation time and set that aside as like my hunting time. Uh, and a lot of guys may say, man, I'd rather hunt six weekends than 12 mm-hmm. days in a row. Like give me my weekends. Like I get that. I really do. But I feel like what I learned in, I think I ended up hunting for nine days instead of 15. What I learned hunting nine days straight uh, of just, and because of the way I hunted, right? Like I didn't just go to the same spot every time I was scouting, mm-hmm. I was hunting hard. I was, you know, looking for fresh sign, trying to stay on top of the deer, really circling them, kind of getting tighter and tighter and tighter, kind of tightening the noose around them as I um, <clears throat> scouted this piece of public. And uh, man, I learned so much. I, I think I got three years worth of hunting knowledge and experience in those <laughs> nine days of, of hunting, you know, I mean, Absolutely. it just, it put, I feel like personally, it pushed me that much further forward. Now next year I may fall on my face and be like, I don't know anything. Um, but I feel like I learned so much. And I think, I think everybody should take at least one time to get that kind of experience. Because if you're only mm-hmm. hunting the weekends, <clears throat> even if you're a mobile hunter and you go out on Saturday, you sit Saturday morning, you scout midday, you sit a spot Saturday afternoon Maybe you go out Sunday. Maybe you do a little bit more scouting on, you know, midday on Sunday. Um, you're going to come back the next Saturday. Well, guess what? Next Saturday, last week's sign doesn't matter. Like right. Last week's sign is old. That oak tree that was hot is not hot anymore. That scrape that was getting hit is now covered up. It's not getting hit anymore. Uh, that bedding that had turned on, well, it turned on because of some green briar uh, that was right there in the area. But now it's all been nibbled down and they've moved on to something else. So, mm-hmm. you know, making sure that you have at least some time in your life, I think, but for me, I think it's going to be the way I move forward, setting aside that bulk of time, uh, so that you learn and so that you can actually, um, make, n- make knowledgeable moves when it comes to mobile hunting, not putting the moves on the deer, like you were talking about, but making knowledgeable mm-hmm. moves and, and acting on fresh <laughs> sign rather than always being a week or two behind what the deer are actually doing. Right. Absolutely. I like that a lot. And I think, you know, what, what comes along with that is if you are going to do something like that, I mean, trust the process and be patient with it because you grinded for those nine days, man. (laughs) Like you hunted harder than anyone I'd ever seen. Just go for it for nine days in a row, sun up to sundown. And I mean, you earned every bit of that buck. Dude, and I've got to say this. I, I've, I've not given this shout-out yet. Uh, the Antler Up podcast is another podcast on the Sportsman's Empire. And mm-hmm. uh, Jeremy Dinsmore is is the host. And uh, he's got his, uh, his co-host is named Dimitri. And they're good dudes. And they had a conversation with Ryan Glitzky. And Ryan Glitzky is a grinder. And I remember that day that mm-hmm. it was 70 degrees sitting in a stand. I listened to the episode with Ryan Glitzky and that was when I was starting to really question the process and really think this, this isn't going to happen. This can't happen. Um, and I heard him talk about, you know, working the grind, trusting the process. And I was like, okay, I've got, I've just got to do it. So if, if at the end of this two weeks, if I fail miserably, but I trusted the process, I learned something. I learned I had the wrong process, you know, like I at least pick right. up, pick up something. Um, so yeah, man, it was, uh, 
I wouldn't I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't go back and do the season any differently. I would no. I would kill the buck on the first time I shot him. <laughs> if, I, if I could change that, but I mean, wouldn't shoot, have been as good of a story. Yeah, I mean, shooting him what five or six days later is pretty sweet too. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think you know it, it, when you do do that kind of stuff, like you mentioned, you know, you got to have the right approach. It's you know you got to kind of tighten that noose and learn as you go, and really, really pay attention to what the deer are doing, and uh, you know don't just go in and blow your best spot out, especially if you are taking the time to you're blocking out several days in a row, take the time to ease your way in there and learn as much as you can on your way. Yeah, man. And I'm going to, I'm going to piggyback on that just real quick because that was one of my, uh, that was one of my do nots was don't dive all the way in at first. Like even if you're on private land or public land, don't think, oh, no, somebody's going to beat me to it. i got to hurry up and run in there. It's the same mentality mm-hmm. of I've got to shoot this forky because my neighbors will or because the next guy will. You know, I need to shoot sure. this little buck because somebody else is going to. I need to get in there and hunt that spot because somebody else will burn it. Well, mm-hmm. maybe, but maybe not. Like, if you go in there, you're definitely going to burn it. Or if you right. go in there too soon, you're definitely going to burn it. They might burn it but they might not burn it and you might get in there and it might be great, you know? And I made that, I made that mistake, uh, the first morning, the spot that I dove into, um, I didn't see a single deer. I thought it was garbage. Uh, it did turn out that somebody had been hunting in there, but when I got back and checked the camera that I'd had in that spot, cause I didn't check the camera until I got back here to, uh, to Georgia. I had, mm-hmm. I had the two, I had two of my three target bucks on that camera in daylight. Uh, including, including the 11 that was like, I don't know. I'm going to guess that deer at a 155 to 160 range. Yeah. Would you say I sent you pictures of him and, and he's a (laughs) three-year-old like he's a stud. Like I I think he's a three. You agree? I think he's a three-year-old. Yeah. Oh yeah. So anyway, fingers crossed he's in there next year and Hey, dude, absolutely. if, If you ran into me, uh, while hunting this public land, because I had a couple folks run into me, uh, you know where I was hunting, so leave it alone. <laughs> <laughs> also, I'm, keep your mouth shut. Yeah, that's right. Don't tell anybody. Actually, no, you don't have to leave it alone. Go in there and hunt it all you want. Just don't tell anybody else. Right. <laughs> anyway, that was that was one of my like do not. It. So I had to just throw that out there real quick. Sure. Uh, again, kind of piggybacking off of that. When you do go in there. Uh, if you're running late, um, or you're, you know, you snoozed your alarm or for whatever reason life happens and you're, you're late getting out to the stand compared to what you're, you know, hope the time that you were hoping to get out there. Um, you know, if you are late getting into the woods, do not just go in there with reckless abandon, you know, cut corners entering the woods with any less caution than you would if you had been in there 15 minutes earlier than what you wanted to get in there. You know, like we all want to be in the stands. We've got that perfect 20 yard shot to a scrape. However, if you're, uh, you know, popping sticks and, you know, dropping your binos and stuff while you're trying to get up there and, you know, making a huge fuss on your way up the tree, uh, you're you're not going to see anything anyways. So just, you know, even if you're late, I mean, still hunt your way in Yeah, as you go, you know, like if you know, it's a good spot, you know, there's going to be deer there, 
then be extra, extra cautious. And then you'll be able to text your buddies that you shot a stud from the ground at the base of your tree while you're getting set up. <laughs> Dude, that's awesome. Heck yeah. Yeah, man, that's a good point. So uh, the day that I shot my buck, I did sleep in a little bit because I knew I didn't know exactly which tree to get in. And I knew mm-hmm. I was going to be looking for, again, I, I'd, I'd made a, a small move, a small adjustment uh, to catch this deer at an earlier spot. And I knew I was looking for where they were crossing a, a, a ditch and mm-hmm. um, I needed daylight for that, you know? So I, I was, right. I timed it just right. I got in there right as light was breaking where I could see just enough to say, okay, this is the spot, climb a tree. That was the right tree. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, don't be in a huge rush. This episode is brought to you by the Onyx Hunt app. Onyx gives you up-to-date landowner information, color-coded public and private land boundaries, and gives you a ton of tools to help you hunt smarter. One tool I'm loving right now is their optimal wind feature, which lets you set the optimal wind for a given location, then tells you in real time whether the wind is good, bad, or just okay for that spot. You can try it risk-free for seven days right now. Just download the Onyx Hunt app on your preferred app store today. So was that your do? Uh, that, that was a do not oh, be in do. such a hurry. But uh, at the same time, I mean, if you're, say you're a private land guy and you know the... Uh, you know, you know, that stand, you know, how the deer are moving on your property, hopefully. I mean, you know, there's certain stands that the deer are going to be running through there in that 20 minutes before daybreak. And so if, you know, that means you either got to wait until daybreak once they've moved through there already, because you can't shoot them before that anyways, or you need to get in there even earlier so that you're in there set up and totally silent when they do come moving through there. So, yeah. Are you thinking you know. about that giant hickory we hung in? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering if that was what was on your mind. I was like, Oh yeah, that sounds exactly like we knew the deer were there. They were 30 yards from us. We could hear them milling about. Oh um, yeah. It was, it was ridiculous. I even, I had a late, kind of a late season bow hunt like two or three weeks ago um, where I went to set up there right after we just got dumped on with a bunch of snow and I ended up kicking one that was bedded. I was going to hang in that same tree and I ended up spooking one that was bedded probably 15, 20 yards down the hill from it. And uh, it was just, I was like, this is, this is absurd. Yeah. That's a good (laughs) spot. It's just, it's tough to get to man because the Mm -hmm. way the deer use it. I mean, they're, they're literally there when you want to be hunting them. Yep, exactly. And they, they, it seems like they spend a lot of time there. The worst part was they didn't like spook hard. They were just like kind of upset with us for being there. It seemed right. They were more inconvenienced that <laughs> they couldn't just go and gorge themselves on apples. <laughs> yeah. I just felt, I felt belittled by them. You know, like <laughs> it wasn't even like I spooked them. They just like, they made me feel ashamed of myself. Right. So, yeah. They, they've got a bad attitude around, yeah. around us. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess let's see, where are we at? Who, should you do a do or do not? Where, where are we at? I just ran my do not. Uh, okay. If you want to, if you want to run one, otherwise. Yeah. So <clears throat> I think, let's see, let me, let me check some of mine out here. Um, I think one of my do's is man, <clears throat> when you're having some hard times, when you're grinding and it's not happening, We've talked about taking resets a lot. Like we've, you and I have covered mm-hmm. that on a lot of different podcasts and they are so critical. But one that I found this year that was really, really helpful is, is a productive reset. So I went for a drive and went and checked out some other public 
I ended up spotting a buck that was heading towards public. I thought I was going to put the whitetail adrenaline moves on him. Um, <laughs> turned out he wasn't going to make it to that spot during daylight, so that was pretty disappointing. Um, but then went over to another field that butted up against public, saw two bucks, big bucks, bristled up at each other, got video of them like almost fighting in a field. One of them walks off with this like harem of does, and the other one's just left standing there <laughs> like I wish I was in, in on the action. <laughs> and so if that spot that I, that I finally, I killed that buck the next day. And if that spot hadn't worked out, I would have, uh, I would have had another option. Now that option would have sucked because it had been like a two and a half mile walk, but I would have had an option, uh, right. uh and, and had a good bead on, on some, some good deer activity. Mm-hmm. On top of it there. I mean, there's something about just getting eyes on, on a fresh property, um, or even just, if you've got the space to do so, and again, you know, if you've got cover and you're okay with doing so, I mean, being able to go for a hike and move to another spot and there's, there's absolutely, and I I think, I think a productive reset is kind of specific to the individual. You know, it could be going to the truck and having a cup of coffee, or it could be, you know, just hanging your bow up and going on your phone and scrolling for, 10 minutes or something. I mean, it could be anything really. Um, but yeah, I I like that, that, that point about productive resets and covering ground and getting eyes on stuff. Sometimes going for a drive is all you need, man. Dude, who doesn't like to watch, to look at deer from the truck? Right. Like that's amazing. That's one of my favorite things in the world. So. Absolutely. I I think I'm, that, that was one of my dues as well is just taking time to enjoy the hunt. So I'm just going to piggyback right off of that. And I mean, just maintaining the, uh, the mental side of, of the hunt and, you know, recognizing if you are on your rutcation that you've got to have a, a marathon mindset and it is going to be a grind and you've got to prepare for that. And if you do screw something up, it's got to be a lesson. It can't be a loss. You know, you can, you can kick yourself all day long, but it's not going to make the deer come back. Um, you know, hopefully <laughs> you were the only one who, uh, who saw that booner hike off and, uh, you know, you don't need to text your buddies and get a bunch of shit for it. Otherwise, if you know, you do want to tell your buddies like, dude, I just blew it big <laughs> time. Sometimes getting some jabs from your friends will, you know, it, that, that levity will, uh, lighten the tension on the situation. But, you know, regardless, part of why we hunt is, you know, being alone with our thoughts and getting some time outside and being able to think about life and share experiences with people we care about. So, you know, you're out hunting. It's supposed to be fun. Enjoy it. That's right. Heck yeah, man. And this year, I think that's one, I mean, despite all the grind and all of that, like Mm -hmm. it was a fun year and I I worked hard to keep it fun in both turkey and in deer season this this past year in 2022 so uh man i'm gonna i'm gonna give you one last one this is my this is a do um and it's it's something i've been putting a lot of thought into lately uh may may dive into this a little more in another episode but Mm -hmm. do all day sits during the rut um and not not just because i mean obviously one if you're on stand you're just gonna see more deer like it's, you're just going to have more deer encounters. A lot of people say, ah, I hate hunting all day because what are the odds that you're actually going to catch that midday cruiser? Now, yeah, that's super, super rare. 
Um, two times I sat all day during this, uh, during my rutcation, I had encounters with that same buck. And <clears throat> I didn't have encounters granted until, you know, until sunset, basically, on both of those mm-hmm. days. But from what I could tell about where the deer were bedding, where he came from both times, uh, the direction that he came from, and then I backtracked him, and I'm pretty sure I was really, really close to his bedding and other does that were bedded. So the reason I was hunting there all day wasn't necessarily because I thought I was going to catch a midday cruiser. It's because I thought I was really, really close to deer bedded, and I didn't want to bump him out. Right. You know what I mean? And so for me, that's the extra value is, you know, I'm in there early, early in the day. They come and bed down after I'm there. No, I don't get a shot at them, you know, that morning uh, or at, or in midday, but I got them that afternoon, I think because I didn't have to come in and disturb the woods that afternoon right. when they may have been, you know, closer to where I was and I could have busted them out. Yeah, absolutely. I like that. I like the the emphasis on the stealth aspect there of, you know, being able to let the woods kind of settle down. I think that's a, a very, very underrated uh, part of the hunt there. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and, well. a, and a whole new reason I think to hunt midday or to stay through the midday uh, that a lot of folks just, just don't talk about, you know, it's always let's catch that midday mm-hmm. cruiser, but there can be so many more reasons. Namely, right. I think you're in his bedroom and the bedroom of a bunch of does and you don't want to make noise at, two in the afternoon when you're coming back in. Right. Exactly. So absolutely. And I mean, on top of it, I mean, I think it's the kind of thing you, you will see more deer, you know, I, I know we didn't talk about uh, my rut hunt on this podcast. It was on the Wisconsin sportsman podcast, but you know, long story short, I shot at and missed my buck at 11 15. I waited until two 30. I got down, I grabbed my arrow. I looked at the fur Saw there was just a wisp of blood on it. Other than that, you know, nothing. Decided I was going to go in, have a reset. I was on my back porch, uh, literally standing in my underwear. I hear some leaves crunch. I look up. The same buck is cruising right down the hill, 30 yards through the backyard, um, head down, mouth hanging open, drooling like a son of a gun, just on the mission. And uh, so I sat there, texted you, cussed a little bit, got my stuff back on. And two hours later ended up having him at like 21 yards quartering way, uh, down in a Creek bottom and sealed the deals. I mean, it's just sticking with it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff, man. So do you have any more? Is that it? Uh, I've got, uh, some quick ones. Uh, I've, I've got a, a do not, uh, overlook the power of simple comforts, hand warmers and snacks, uh, will, make a cold crappy day a lot better. I think, um, you know, I, I, like you said, um, you know, with your hunt and everything, I mean, in that, in that nine days that you were hunting, you had every season imaginable. And I mean, you were in the rain, you were in the heat, you were in the cold. Like it was, it was a whirlwind and being able to pull those all day sits, it's not very easy without, some granola bars or some snacks or whatever it may be, whatever your, your tree stand snack is. I know everybody's got their own thing. You know, there's absolutely no shame in packing that, uh, or packing some extra. Um, I like, I like, uh, Sam Soholt's strategy of throwing some apple pie filling in a, in a Yeti yeah. for the day. I've, I've never tried it, but I remember seeing that and being like, God, that's, 
is genius. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I, I gotta, um, I gotta say on that point too. Like, you don't even have to think about it as like having hand warmers and snacks and those kinds of things. This was my first year hunting in like good quality camo. Um, oh yeah. Up until this year, man, I would hunt in basically thrift store camo, just cheap as mm-hmm. I could. I upgraded to some Huntworth gear this year, and I you wear first light gear. Yep. Um, quality brands, right? And with the Huntworth gear, I was able to hunt in the hot weather with really light stuff, the cold weather with their heat boost stuff, and stayed comfortable the whole time. So, like, don't just think about creature comforts in the sense of, like, well, I'm going to buy some extra little Debbies, but, like, spend mm-hmm. a little extra money on those pieces. You know, like, I, I had the Saskatoon uh, vest, and yep. <clears throat> it's the first time I've had a really warm insulated vest. And, dude, it changed the game for me. You know, one, just being that warm, but two, freedom, you know, up here where, where yeah. I can draw my bow pretty easily uh, without my arms feeling like too constricted with a bunch of layers on. So mm-hmm. anyway, yeah, clothing too, man. Throw that That's in a the, really good point. I, I, I totally, throw that. I, I totally spaced on that. No, dude, I throw that in the luxury category because I never would spend money on it before. <laughs> but now as I get older, I'm like, okay, there's a little bit of money to be spent. Like, just do it and mm-hmm. yeah, make it happen. Right. And I think even if you're not, you know, even if you're not dropping, you know, the more money on, you know, nicer gear, um, you know, you're using whatever you got, figuring out how to layer is crucial. Yeah. That was something that this year I really got dialed in and, you know, that, that was huge for me. Yeah. especially in in the sock department. If you have dry socks, buddy, you are in business for the day. (laughs) Yeah, dude. That's why I I quit wearing rubber boots for hunting mostly. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, and I quit wearing like multiple socks. I just got one pair of thin, like thin athletic socks and my feet stay warmer. Uh, One thing I do though, is I put um, like scentless deodorant on my feet. I know that sounds crazy, but dude, it is amazing. (laughs) Like your feet don't sweat. And so they don't get mm-hmm. cold. It is awesome. Dude, that's a life hack right there. Dude, it's incredible. It really is. It I'm feels weird when you're that. like sitting there putting deodorant on your feet in the morning. But, <laughs> uh, but dude, about, about 8.30, you're like, yeah, this is good. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I never would have thought of that. I love that. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, <laughs> All right, my last two do's here. Um, do tape down your loose crap. There's nothing more frustrating than a loose clip clinking on a tree stand ladder or a platform or trying to pop your climbing sticks apart or whatever and you accidentally bang them together because you don't have them taped up or stealth stripped or whatever it may be. Um, carabiners on your you know, your saddle hunting gear, whatever it is. I mean, just take the time. It, I mean, it costs you nothing to get some hockey tape and wrap the stuff up and silence it. Or I think you use vet tape, right? Yep. Vet tape is super cheap. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Super cheap way. It's going to, you know, make your hunt that much more silent and uh, on top of it. Yeah. And I think it's going to allow you to move a little bit quicker because you're not going to be sitting there, you know, being, extra extra cautious with everything because yeah. you're worried that it's going to rattle or I, do something like that i hate babying my stuff like i hate mm-hmm. it. I, I feel like i'm slowed down by it and it drives me nuts so yeah yep silence your stuff 
All right, that's good. Absolutely. So what's your, what's your what's your final one? A final one uh, is shoot more does. Hey, there it is. There's there is some awesome targets out there. Um, you know, you get your your blocks. Your I don't know whichever the one that you know the one I'm talking about. That's like a it's like an octagon. But it's like a 3D octagon. It's like black and the thing hangs or whatever. I don't know. You got those. You got your 3D targets. Whatever it may be, nothing will. Uh, Nothing will give you the any better practice than uh, letting some arrows fly on does. That's right. On top of it, you're filling the freezer and becoming a better hunter for it. Yeah, and man, thinning the herd, dude. I was on a property the other yep. day. So you mentioned that I do some property consultation, and I was on a property, <clears throat> and there were, you know, first of all, we walked the whole thing, and there were no scrapes anywhere. Like we did not mm-hmm. find a single scrape in 140 acres. Uh, and then. Uh, to top it off, there was no browse left in the woods. And I was like, hey, how many does do you guys shoot a year? He said, in the last 30 years, there's only been one doe taken off the property. Really? 30 years, one doe. <laughs> so, it's just a, a safe haven for him, I yeah, guess. Absolutely, dude. So improve your hunting by shooting more does. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. Fewer mouths to feed. So. Well, Pierce, man, thanks for coming on again. Thanks for, uh, you know, writing these up with the do's and don'ts. That was a good idea. I'm glad that we were able to yeah. uh, to make this happen. Glad I could steal your idea for you know, <laughs> an hour's worth of content. This was great. So um, Anytime. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me, and thanks for a great season. Yes. Are you are you done? Are you done done? Or are you, I, hang again? you know, I'm not sure. I I filled that antlerless tag. Um on a nice doe on I think the 28th or the 29th with my rifle. Uh, I know in Wisconsin, our archery season runs through January 31st. Um, I might, I, I might sneak out there one more time. Not a hundred percent sure. I, uh, with that doe that I just got, I tried my hand at butchering in house for the first time. And, uh, that was, it went well. It was eye-opening. It was uh, a little, a little slow the first time for oh, sure, yeah. um, but definitely something I would like to hone that craft a little bit more. And if it means filling the freezer even more, then you might just have to. Yeah, man, dude, it'll be the best tasting deer you've ever had, too, guaranteed. I sure hope so, man. I got a new <laughs> vacuum sealer for Christmas and everything. Oh, like nice. I was, that thing was epic. Nice, nice. Well, man, thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. And uh, good luck for the rest of the season. Thanks, man. You as well. Talk soon. That's all for this week's episode. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. If you dig this show, be sure to subscribe to this podcast, wherever it is that you get your podcast. If you could leave us a five-star review, I would very much appreciate that. While you're at it, you can follow along with my outdoor adventures on Instagram at How to Hunt Deer. That's also the best way to get a hold of me. Suggest topics that you want to hear, guests you want to hear from, or questions that you'd like me to explore on the show. Big thanks to our partners, Tacticam, Huntworth, and Onyx. Please go support the brands that support this show and help me bring you great content each and every week. If you're looking for more outdoor content, check out thesportsmansempire.com where you're going to find my other podcast, The Wisconsin Sportsman, as well as a ton of other awesome outdoor podcasts.